Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, and welcome back to Food Therapy Podcast. We are so excited to have Dr. Morgan Francis on with us today. And we're going to really have some interesting conversations that I've been talking about with clients and I know Lauren has as well. So, you know, Dr. Francis, can you please first tell our listeners who you are and the work that you do? Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate this opportunity. This is really exciting. And I admire both of your work also on social media. So this is a true pleasure for me to spend some time with both of you. And um, I am a licensed therapist here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm the owner of Scottsdale Premier Counseling. I'm a mother of three children, nine, seven, and five. And um, I specialize in the treatment of eating disorders, body image, relationships, grief and loss, and sexual health. Amazing. And yeah, so yeah, and I love your content as well, but um, it's, you really put out a lot of thought provoking, you know, content about body image and eating disorder recovery and all the things that people really need to see on social media, just because we're so burdened by diet culture and this like diet culture rhetoric, which, you know, brings me into the topic that we're going to discuss today, which is why it's harmful to comment on someone's body size, whether that means weight gain or weight loss. And, you know, what is some of the messaging that they receive when somebody does comment on their body? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, because we never know what someone's going through, right? We never know the reason why their weight and body shape has changed. And that goes in both directions, whether it's weight gain or weight loss. And we've been so Um, brainwashed to think that weight loss equals healthier living and healthier choices. And therefore you have a healthier body when we really need to stop equating healthy with thinness, Um, because that's what the marketing, the advertisements, that's diet culture. And so as soon as we stop having that mindset and stop commenting on people's bodies, then we can do a much better job of shifting our focus off of their physical appearance and being able to get inside to how are you doing or complimenting them with non-appearance related compliments. And what would a non-related like physical appearance compliment be? Because some people might be listening to this saying like, well, you know, it's weird for me not to compliment on someone's body if I see a change. And so what would you say to them in terms of a compliment that isn't so tied to physical appearance? So if you see someone's body shape change, you could ask, what's new with you? What's been going on? Um, What have your interests been lately, right? Because it just could be a very general open-ended question. If it's someone that is, you know, a close friend, it could be, I love spending time with you. You inspire me. Um, Would you want to spend time together? You know, getting more intimate with the questions. I think it just really depends upon if this person is an acquaintance, a friend, or a family member. 
And what we see with research is that the closer the person is to us, the more likely we feel comfortable saying body appearance related comments, Mm. right? So like partner to partner, parent to child, um, grandparent to child. And so it's really important that we have the tools to teach our children um, ways to respond and also give them permission to not have to answer, not feel like they have to, you know, say something back to grandma or grandpa if grandma or grandpa make a comment about their body shape and size. Which is so common too. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and again, it's never coming from a bad place for the most part. And, you know, oftentimes it's coming from a good place. I actually had a situation last week and I'm sure my friend will be listening to this podcast episode, but she said to me, like, do I look thinner? And this was, you know, I haven't seen her in a few months. And she said, do I look thinner? Does it look like I lost weight? And I looked at her and I said, I love you. I'm not going to comment on your body size, but I am truly so happy to see you. And I'm like so excited to hang out this afternoon. And she was really appreciative because everyone else had been commenting on her weight loss. And I quite frankly said like, no, like I'm going to set the boundary. Like I'm not going to comment. But again, as you were saying, Dr. Francis, commenting on something else, like, do they feel happy? You know, do they feel passionate about their work? Are they, you know, growing as a human, maybe, you know, this particular friend is seeing a life coach. And so commenting on anything else, but the body size, I think is so important. Well, what a wonderful boundary you provided, (laughs) right. And role model to your friend. And I think it's so great that she feels safe enough to, you know, to do that with you and you feel safe enough to reflect a boundary back to her. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because I was out to dinner with a bunch of my friends not too long ago and they started talking about body shape and size. And one of my friends was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if we can talk about this because Morgan's here, you know? <laughs> and, and I was like, no, it's, it's okay. You guys, like, how can I be a support system for you guys when you're talking about this rather than, oh no, I'm so worried about saying the wrong thing. Completely. Yes. No, it's so true. Really? And, yeah. And go I think ahead, it, it's hard too, when everything is in our world is so appearance based, right? Like even when it comes down to, I saw someone do something on Instagram that was like, you know, when your daughter comes out and she asks, how do I look like, ask her, how do you feel? Right. Like the simplest thing of someone saying, how do I look? And they're just looking for you to be like, Oh, you look great. Like we're constantly looking for that validation. And it can be so hard to, to not give that and be like, well, how do you feel in this? But it really like, especially in like those developing years of like a young girl, like to have her understand that it's so important. How do you feel in those clothes? How do you feel in X, Y, Z? It can really make all the difference. It really can. And you're exactly right. We want to change the narrative and help them get more in touch with their feelings, their experience, their embodiments more than making an opinion or compliment on the bow they're wearing, the dress they're, you know, wearing the colors, you know, we want to say, so, you know, why do you love wearing yellow? How does that make you feel right? Or, you know, do you like that dress because it allows you to move your legs and run and still climb in it, you know, which depend upon the activity level of the child. So it's just being able to move our focus away. And as you highlighted, it's really tough to do when social media is all about what we see. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm curious, like as a mom of three kids, like clearly you have so much knowledge in this area, not just as a parent, but also as a professional. 
what do you do when your child comes to you and says, I want to go on a diet? You know, mm -hmm. my two best friends are going on a diet. I want to lose weight. And we know when children and adolescents are at that age, like they're at such a higher risk for developing an eating disorder. So how do parents navigate that conversation, which is, you know, trying to create some neutrality with their child and get them to love their body as it is when we live in such a diety culture? Well, there's a couple of answers to this. So it's, it's also working with the parent and the child. So it's not the parent's job to control a child's body size. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of parents try to do that on their own and just think like, okay, I'm just not going to have them eat their cookies or I'm going to take dessert away or they can't have those extra snacks. And we know from research that the more that we take these quote unquote kind of fun foods away, yes. the more likely secret eating is going to occur. Right. So I would say for any parent that has a child come to them and say, I want to lose weight, I would really recommend working with a registered dietitian, a Hayes provider, right? Health at every size, and also working with, you know, a therapist or, you know, someone that your child's going to feel safe with, right? Because not every child wants to come into, you know, my kind of office and right. sit down and start talking <laughs> about these things, right? So I think it also depends upon the level of maturity and the level or the age of the child. But, you know, in, whether it's a child or an adult, if there is a desire to lose weight, I'm always looking at the reasons as to why, right? What's, what's the hope? What's the, the fantasy? If I lose weight, then what will happen, right? Well, maybe my dad might then start to pay attention to me. Maybe that boy will start to like me. Then I'll be accepted by my friends. Then I'll be able to fit into my prom dress, you know, so I'm always just more curious about the underlying why the belief system around the weight loss. Yeah. And then from there, we just continue to peel back those layers. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's so important because the why it's never really about the weight. There's always this underlying desire that's there. And, you know, at the core of everything, we all want to feel accepted. We all want to feel like we belong. And oftentimes, you know, weight loss is sort of this, you know, rose colored glasses, right? If I just lose weight, then I'm going to get everything that I've always wanted in my life. So mm -hmm. I, I love that. Just finding out what the why is behind that. Well, yeah. Cause we really only celebrate thin bodies, right? Yes. We don't celebrate body diversity. We, we don't talk enough about fat phobia and weight stigma because that's really at the core of what's really going on. Right. And so, you know, no, having more body diversity, having less women that, I mean, honestly look like me, blonde hair, blue eyes and thin. I don't, I don't want to see that anymore. Honestly, it's boring and I'm tired of it. Um, I'd right. rather see, you know, way more diversity and physical size and skin color. And that's why when I am home with my kids, I do walk around with just like a sports bra on with my, you know, um, workout pants. So they see my stomach. Right. So that they're not, they, they see diversity, even just in like the stomach shape, because most of the time through images that we see is either flat stomachs or pregnant women. We really don't see uh, like all the different, you know, levels or sizes of yes. stomach. And then also the like colors, right? Like our skin color, because filters smooth out our skin. And I have lots of moles and I have those like red dot things. I don't Capillaries. Know what... yeah, Capillaries. Yeah, whatever those things are called. I need to go through with all this. I truly do. But I want, you know, I want my kids to see the difference in the textures and the wrinkles and the blemishes because that's normal, right? That's completely acceptable. But we have now put so many things on filters that yeah. we think that it's, 
unattractive, right. To, to be in our skin. Absolutely. And yeah, go ahead, Lauren. <laughs> so is there anything that you like, again, it kind of comes down to like, there's only so much you can control. Right. So it's like, yeah, of course, like I personally didn't grow up in an environment that like my mom was never really focused on food or anything. And I still developed an eating disorder. So like, there's so many things that you can't control as a parent. How do you navigate that where it's like from the size of a doll to like, you know, the things that they're watching or how do you navigate all that? Well, that's a great question. And I think you, you really did a good job just highlighting like, Hey, I didn't have a mother that grew up with, you know, difficulties with her body image. Mm -hmm. And yet I still struggled or I still developed an eating disorder. Right. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because I don't want there to be a myth that, you know, eating disorders are the result of bad parenting or anything like that. Cause they're not, there's many things that go into it. And, you know, we know too, that, I mean, even as a clinician that specializes in this area, there is still a strong likelihood that my children boy, my boys as well could Mm -hmm. struggle with a negative body image, despite all of my efforts. So it's not just, you know, trying to only, you know, do the things I can in the home. It's giving them the coping tools, giving them the resources to know that you can come to me. If you are struggling, I am here for you and I will, you know, listen to you. I will support you. Even if I don't understand what you're going through, Mm. right. And validation, compassion, and helping them with those distress tolerance skills, right. That are so important that I wish I had growing up that I'm, you know, utilizing in my own personal life that I teach my children, you know, grounding skills, things we can do when we're angry, things we can do when we're sad, you know, talking to ourselves in a compassionate way. You know, those things are just like, your first aid kit for your mental health, right? Love that. So I think that that's really important to have. And, you know, knowing that my, my children can come to me, I think is always, you know, what I want as a mother. Totally. They're so lucky to have you, (laughs) you know, all the knowledge that you have. Totally. And so kind of bringing the conversation back to this post pandemic, I mean, and let me be clear, we're not post pandemic, but we're starting to see some normalcy as people are getting vaccinated And, you know, for many states, it's summer outside. So as we're seeing friends, and let's say the listeners here are hoping to stop dieting. Maybe they embarked on their own intuitive eating journey. Um, They're trying not to focus so much on weight, but all they hear around them is diet chatter. Mm -hmm. And how do we navigate those conversations? Like, when is it appropriate to set boundaries saying, you know, I don't want to talk about weight loss. I don't want to talk about body image or do we not set boundaries? Like what would be the protocol there? Oh, well, I'm all about boundaries. So I would say we never not want to have boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? Boundaries are, you know, breath is, is how I see it. So, um, yeah, you can totally as a consumer, right. Think of yourself as a consumer. So as a consumer, you have the right to not consume. You have the right to remove yourself from conversations, unfollow, no longer, you know, receive whether it's magazines, whether it's shows that you that you watch, um, what you're scrolling through. You know, I used to think that you know my circle of friends said everywhere, every everything about the direction I was going, and I think nowadays I look at it as your social media and what you consume says everything about the direction that you're going because that, I mean, it's just so powerful, right? Like what we're consuming. And, and I, I, I mean, I learned this for the, like that documentary, the social dilemma. I don't know if you guys watched that. Yes. 
But yeah. I mean, it's, it, and they even said it's 25 to 35 year old white guys that have made our social media. Am, am I shocked to know that they've put filters on or they've created a platform for women and young girls to feel insecure? No, I'm really not, not surprised about that at all because it's, it, it stays, it, 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 it's like a virus, its own virus that, you know, goes into our insecurity to keep us contained, to keep us small, to keep us from creating, keep us from success, being successful and investing and all the things that we need to do as, as women. So, yeah, I just think, you know, having boundaries and having, um, safeguards against what you're taking in. I know for me in my own relationship with my body image, I didn't have social media growing up. I had magazines and I would, I remember going to my parents' house and bringing magazines over to just look at while I was just hanging out at my parents' house. And that was one of the first things that I stopped doing. I, I ended all my subscriptions to every single magazine. It didn't matter if it was Vogue, Fit, Health, Self, People, Us Weekly. I got rid of them all. And um, it just was so powerful for me. So yes, I, that's one of the things with my clients. I say, bring out your phone. Let's do detox of your social media because it says everything about the direction you're going with what you're consuming. And even like your for you page. So if you were to look at your for you page and everything is like detox, fad diets, like that says a lot about the content that you're taking into. If you were to look at my for you page now, it's like body positivity, you know, intuitive eating, health at every size. But I realize it's not for everyone. And especially with TikTok, like the algorithm is so strong. You click on one weight loss video, all of a sudden your entire for you page. insane. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I clicked on something with like horses and like, I had like 20 horse videos. I was exactly. like, I like horses. I don't know if I want to watch them that much. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My friend is starting a clothing line and I've just been looking at videos to like send her to help her out. And now like all of my feed is like how I started my own clothing line. And I'm like, all right, it's like a little aggressive. I saw one. I don't want like all my videos to be this now. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's really, it's scary to be, if, if we're honest, you know, yeah. how much that that changes that your algorithm just by one click. Totally. And so it makes complete sense. Like how can we diversify our feeds, create boundaries around the content that we consume, but what do we do when, you know, grandma and grandpa or mom and dad start making comments like, you know, like you've gained weight during quarantine or like, I'm worried about your health. I love when health is kind of brought in as mm-hmm. if it is the only metric that we should use to really analyze someone's health. And so how do we create those boundaries of people who we can't really opt to not see they're such a huge part of our life, but at the same time, like it's really harmful and hurtful to hear that. It is. And I'm glad you said that it is hurtful and it is harmful. And that's why I think it's so important for us to have conversations like this, to educate people on the aftermath of these comments, right? Because it really does, for lack of a better word, a number on our self-esteem and our self-worth. And you know, everybody's different. So, you know, I've worked with people where they have put a boundary up and then the boundary gets rejected again. Right. I mean, that, that can happen. Like, how dare you talk to grandma like that, you know, or, you know, there's a lot of, um, if we're looking at culture, I know for a lot of cultures, it's very common. And I wish I could remember the term. I was just talking about this with my friend, She's Lebanese. And she was saying like, this is like a rite of passage for you to, when you live in the U S and you're from a Lebanese family, 
it's so important to embrace, you know, Eurocentricity, which is really about embracing, you know, white thinness mm-hmm. and that, um, that, you know, grandparents will just make these comments about how fat I am and how important it is for me to, you know, go on a diet when I'm, it's so hard because I'm really just trying to embrace where my body's at right now. So yes, this is a really difficult thing to navigate. And I think that's where it's really important to look at the diverse impacts that this conversation can have, right? Um, And then also look at if this is a situation where best for you to remove yourself from the room. Right. Right. Because maybe it is just too overwhelming or it is unsafe for you to speak up. So the best thing you can do is remove yourself. That makes complete sense. It's hard to have empathy in those situations, but almost, you know, it's important to have empathy. It's like, that's what their mom told them and, you know, their parents told them. And so that's all they've learned. And, you know, we're lucky to grow up in, in a, in a way where we're learning body diversity. We're learning the importance of not dieting, but you know, we can't say the same for people. If you go up the family tree, oftentimes like that's all they know. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely really tough. Um, and so that's where I think having like a therapist or someone that you can talk to to say, this is really hard for me. How can I take care of myself? Because we can't control what mom, grandma, grandpa say, but we can control how we cope with it. We yeah. can control how we feel about it. We can control what we say to ourselves afterwards. Totally. Yeah. Right. So asking yourself, okay, what am I focusing on? What's the meaning I'm attaching to what I'm focusing on? And what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's what we do have control over. So that's really where the empowerment can come back in because at the end of the day, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad may never get it. Right. And so your ability to be okay is not going to be contingent upon mom and dad saying, you're right. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that because you may never get that apology. So don't wait for the apology for you to be okay. Be okay. Knowing that you have enough like self-love, you have enough worth in you that you don't need them to get it for you to be okay. So important. Yeah. I always say to my clients, I'm like, like you, you just said, it depends on the person. It depends on the situation, right? I'm always, I ask them, I'm like, well, is this somebody you have a relationship with that you think they'll respond to something well by like you telling them what you're going through? Or is this something that like, we don't even want to open that can of worms and we need to work on this within yourself and like how you are responding to, to those comments. And yeah, maybe like not being around them as much or just setting some sort of boundary for yourself, but you might not ever even bring it up with them because you just know that it's going to be shot down and it's just going to make you feel worse. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I like the idea of also setting like internal boundaries. If you feel uncomfortable, like get up, go get a glass of water, use the restroom. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to sit there and take all of that information in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it's tough because it really sticks with people. They will remember a comment grandma said, 25 years ago or a comment that mom said like 30 years ago. And that really stays with you. And I would love to go back to why it's so harmful to comment on someone's body size. And I know you mentioned this in the beginning, which is we don't know what that person's going through. That person could be experiencing grief or illness. I had a friend who was really ill, like hospitalized for GI issues, and she had never received so many compliments in her entire life. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't even eat for days at a time. And so, you know, why, again, why it's so harmful to comment on someone's body. 
Yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, I've said this before, the most compliments I ever received is when I was in my eating disorder, mm-hmm. you know, which is really yep. messed up. Right. And, and this has happened not only to me, but so many other individuals mm-hmm. and whether it's, you know, a medical illness, divorce, you know, your, your partner's been cheating on you, cancer, stress, just stress in, you know, we have to be able to recognize that we just truly don't know what's going on in a person's private world. And I, I, my husband, you know, bless his heart. We were seeing a friend of ours and this friend's body shape changed. And my husband made it a comment. He's like, Oh my gosh, Morgan, look at him. And he's like, you know, wow. What, you know, and just kind of doing the normal types of things. Like mm-hmm. we all have done before, you know, you look great. How, you know, what's, what have you been doing? You know, what's, you know, Keep going right. on, you've lost weight. And I just didn't say anything. And my husband's like, you know, kind of like, what, what's wrong with you? You should say something. So then we get in the car and he's like, are you okay? Like, why didn't you say anything? I said, because you never know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to comment on his weight loss. That just, you know, reinforces something that may not be healthy. Yeah. And I said, so let's not, ass- he's happy. And he's like, oh, I said, yes, babe, this is the work. (laughs) (laughs) Going off of that too, you're basically telling someone, oh, wow, you look so much better now that you were in a smaller body. For sure. So you can do anything you possibly can do to stay in this body, despite your mental health, your physical health. And that external validation, it's really hard because when someone is so used to getting external validation, eventually it will stop coming. And when it does, someone will be like, wait, like, do I not look as good? Like, do people not notice my weight loss anymore? And that can also be really, you know, harmful too. Yes. And eating disorders live for external validation, don't they? Yes. 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 Mine sure did. I was always getting the, you're so tiny. Oh my gosh. What are you doing? Like wanting my quote unquote secret formula, which was just being unhealthy essentially. And it makes it so much harder to stop it because you don't want to lose that validation that you're getting from other people. Right. And I had it times a hundred because it was like, I was the nutrition major. So it's not only like, Oh, look, she's this picture. Perfect. Like small and knows her nutrition and, uh, has all this quote unquote willpower. We need to do something on this po- podcast for like quote unquote. Cause I think we say it in every episode, like five times. <laughs> but yeah, like that validation in that time period, like you said, in my eating disorder, that is when I got the most compliments in my life, which is just so messed up. Yeah. It's like heroin for the addict, yeah. right? The addict being the eating disorder and the compliments being the heroin. Totally. Right. And it really does. It, it fuels, it fuels the eating disorder and can, it keeps it active and it keeps us even relapsing if we're in recovery because we're looking to be seen. I mean, at our basic core, we want to be seen, we want to matter and we want that. And we want that so desperately we didn't get that in our childhood from all the trauma that we've experienced. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why it feels like heroin to our trauma because it's like, Oh, I actually mattered when I was in that body, Hmm. I was accepted. I was, you know, treated differently and typically differently means I was seen or, you know, someone was kind to me. And and, I mean, all this can be very, it's very real um, because that again, goes back to weight stigma, right? And why people want to lose weight because of the, you know, oppression we have on large and fat bodies. And we, you know, that's really truly again, where we have to change the narrative. We have to change how we are educating. We have to change how we are viewing society because that's where it all has to go back to. 
Yeah. And that's what it all comes down to. Like you said, it's like, as humans, like we have a basic need to feel accepted and to feel included. So it's like, if your body size is part of that, it can be really hard to not have a certain body size. And I actually have a body image expert in my program with my clients. And she always talks about like, okay, so what is, what does body image for you come down to? Does it come down to feeling included to be seen, whatever it is. And like, what are ways that we can bring that into our lives that have nothing to do with our body size? Absolutely. Yes. It's a perfect question and a great way to explore that relationship. Mm -hmm. Totally. And oftentimes, I mean, similarly to body image, when you ask someone like, why do you want to lose weight? Like, what are you hoping to gain from weight loss? All the things that they mentioned can be achieved, not through weight loss, but we kind of find weight loss to be this easy sort of route. And so one that's, you know, it's a coping mechanism for so many people too. It's like when we feel discomfort in our body, we immediately want to go on a diet to fix something and sitting with that discomfort of being your body is uncomfortable. And it's, it's hard, even if you are, you know, educated in the body image realm, oftentimes like we have to remind ourselves like, yeah, no, this is really real. It's okay. If you feel uncomfortable when your jeans are tight, you know, that's a normal part of human. It doesn't mean we need to restrict tomorrow or completely change our eating habits tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's also, I'm glad you said that because that's another sign of, you know, recovery, right? Like if you are someone and you are struggling emotionally when you put your pants on and you feel like they're tighter, if you decide or work through not restricting and allow yourself to still eat, I think again, let's it's important to highlight that's that's a that's a win, right? That's a huge win in your eating disorder recovery or, or disordered eating recovery. Um like I'll even take myself today. Like I put my pants on today and I thought they feel a little tighter. And like, that was just it. It was like a floating thought. It just came in and and just kept going Mm -hmm. out my head. Mm -hmm. And my, my old self would have been thinking about that all day long. Right. Nothing, nothing that would have come in my day would have took power over that thought. And that thought would have been the huge trigger for me to then restrict Overexercise, beat myself up, you know, all the things that go into disordered eating. So I think like just you even seeing that just shows like, okay, we can, we can breathe through this moment mm-hmm. of yeah. pants feeling different and it's okay. The pants feel different. Yeah. And that can happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and know, I, I think with yeah, changing, changing bodies and everything, like, and I'm sure you can speak to this since you have those three children, like in the case of pregnant women, how, like, well, one, how do you deal with that changing body, but also the comments that come along because people just think that, oh, she's pregnant. I could, oh, look, you're already showing. Oh my gosh, you're huge. You're, how are you not showing yet? You know, all of the comments that kind of come along with that. So dealing with the changing body, but also navigating the comments as well. Well, that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. That's true. (laughs) Very true. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely when I'm working with people that are pregnant, we're looking at body grief Mm. because, you know, your body shape is changing and the change is really, truly out of your control. Um, and 
that is very hard for people because they've always been in, in control. Again, I'm using the quotes, right? In control of their body changes or so they tell themselves. Um, but you know, when it comes to our belly shape changing or our thighs expanding or water retention, or, you know, again, there's a lot of skin stuff that happens during pregnancy with hormones. I mean, there's so many things that can happen mm-hmm. that it, it can be really hard to navigate. So I definitely say work, like working with someone, a therapist to help you not feel alone and cope with these changes. And yes, pregnancy for some odd reason gives people like this society, this permission to comment on the belly. And it's weird too, like, cause people want to touch you. So <laughs> like they physically want to put their hands on your belly. And it's, just, <laughs> I remember experiencing that. And my clients have experienced that. And it's like, why is that? Okay. What would make you ever think that I want you to physically touch my body? And this could be whether it's friends, family, or strangers. It, to me, it doesn't make a difference. It's my body. And I only consent to who gets to touch my body. So we're also looking at a lot of consensual things there. Um, We're also looking at, you know, postpartum. Mm -hmm. And because that's where, you know, companies, diet culture breeds on pregnant women because we're at our most vulnerable time. Mm -hmm. I mean, how sick and cruel is that, right? And the focus becomes so much more about the baby, the newborn, than it is about you. Like you have maybe one doctor's appointment. The baby has 20. Mm -hmm. Um, We're sleep deprived right? We're hormonal. We're maybe experiencing depression, anxiety. No one talks about fourth trimester, right? It's true. Like moms go through so much, especially when it comes to their mental health. And I feel like, you know, no one says like, how are you doing mom? It's like, how's the baby? Is Mm -hmm. he eating? Is she eating? So yeah. yeah. So about my friends are always gifts for the moms. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'll get you a cute, you know, pacifier, but really here's here's something you need to do for yourself and take this, whatever it may be. It might be, you know, a spa pedicure, you know, I'll take, you know, your child for you for the day. So you can have some time off or here's, you know, something to help out for the mom is usually my, my gifts or my friends, because I know how hard it is. And, and every pregnancy is different. No pregnancies are alike. And so that's something to also remember too. And again, the, the, your birth experience. I mean, there's so many layers to it. So that's why I was like, we could totally do a whole podcast on this, but I know you might have to come back. (laughs) Thank you so much. Like truly we, you're such a resource and have so much knowledge. And if anyone's listening to this, please follow Dr. France on Instagram and tell us where our listeners can find you and follow you. Yeah. So like you mentioned, Instagram is pretty much the most, uh, the social media platform that I use the most. And I have my free mindful messages, which are free text messages from me to you straight to your phone that are filled with like mental health tips and coping strategies and words of inspiration and affirmation. So that's like the easiest and most free way to get my services. And then um, from there, I have my email newsletter and my two courses. And I have a third one that's going to be launching this summer. So I'm super excited about that. Um, so yeah, everything's been really going really well. And this, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Okay. Well, thank you so much again. And we'll have to have you come back to talk about prenatal and postpartum. Life. Totally. That would be such an interesting conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.